On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, everybody, Locked On Browns. And as we always say here at the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, guys, obviously a big news of the week. Um, we still didn't get to a seasonal review. We'll find a time to get that in with Jake Burns as well. But uh, look, for guys like us, uh, you know, off season, you know, you, you worry about, you know, how you're going to cover the, you, the team you're covering and the work you're going to do. Um, I, I think the hire at the end of the day is, is something. It seems I would say majority. I don't see many who aren't happy with it. So from Browns Film Breakdown, whether it's Cleveland.com, whether it's the OBR, whether it is the Browns Film Breakdown podcast, made its first foray into the iTunes Top 200 this week. Mr. Jake Burns, Jake, how is everything going, bro? Hey, Jeff, busy, good, man, all the above, can't complain. Um, you know, happy to be on, man. This is my this is my home. Yeah, I mean, and look, I mean, Jake, when we were going through this last year, I mean, the two of us, there were times like, what are we doing? We, like, if we could cover football, maybe <laughs> maybe there should be a different product or a different avenue we should look into. But uh, look, the hard work then uh, covering squat is paying big dividends for both of us now as we get to cover a solid product that everybody wants to hear about. So it's fun in that respect. But uh, obviously, Jake, the, the news of the week here, and and as it went on, it just seemed more and more. And it, even you know the fact that they gave him the last, well, maybe the second to last interview, maybe one more was Stefanski. But Freddie Kitchens, uh, you know, from the outsider's perspective, I understand you don't get it. Um, I, that's fine. <laughs> we get it. We were here for this last eight weeks of the season, watching this week in, week out. And when you start going through some times where you're actually looking at it and going, am I getting myself too excited? Am I overselling myself on this? And then you go see things like that. They were the second best offense in the NFL over the last eight weeks of the NFL season. And that's where the reality kind of comes in. It's like, no, this isn't just me seeing it through my eyes. This is really how good it's gotten. Yeah, no, I, I, I genuinely think, Jeff, that they they hit it out of the park. I, I, I don't I, – I, I know probably people wanted um, – there. I think there was a contingent of people that wanted Greg Williams to stay, um, and that's probably a large portion of the fan base that doesn't find itself on Twitter because I think the folks who find themselves on Twitter seek seek a more intelligent approach, right? Yes. Um, but if you look at Facebook comments, uh, different avenues for hearing people's opinion, radio callers, a lot of them wanted Greg Williams to stay, and I get that. Greg did a lot of really great things in his, uh, you know, his nine games here, or eight games, whatever it was. Uh, he did a great job, and I commend him for that. And I'll never forget the way he was able to lead a fun half season of football here, like we haven't seen in a decade. So it was some major props. But the future is about tying Mayfield. Uh, who is your future, to uh, a coach who can bring out the best in him. And that's what Freddie Kitchens did the last nine weeks. And it's not just bringing out the best in Mayfield, although that's massively important. It's about bringing out the best in everybody. And on that side of the ball, the side that he could control, he brought out the best in everybody. It reflected in the PFF grades, Pro Football Focus, which is very important to me. I hold it in high regard. I'm sure you do too, Jeff. It's it's a great indicator for how guys are playing, and they had the second-best, highest-graded offense of uh, the second half of the year, just behind Kansas City and out in front of New Orleans. So it means something, and it means that he can run a side of the football really well. I think he has more respect than just the offense. I think the defensive uh, players seem to be pretty supportive yesterday on Twitter and all the above for, for Freddie's hiring. And the, the good thing is, as expectations are coming, um, because they're rightfully coming in year you know, Baker Mayfield's year two, 2019. They're going to be able to hit the ground running. And 
They'll bring in a new approach, a new voice on defense, hopefully somebody very passionate just like Greg was who can surround himself with the right staff. And, uh, you know, it, it, it feels like they finally got away from the old guard, the old way of thinking, and, uh, and went opposite and, and went about an approach where fortune favors the, favors the bold, in my opinion, and they made a bold move here to keep Freddie and, and uh, you know, try to maximize on, on, the, on the momentum that they gained here in the second half. Uh, I, and I think, you know, there's a couple things that come along with this. The fact that Freddie Kitchens is now the head, co- head football coach of this team, and he answers to one man and one man directly in John Dorsey uh, for Jimmy Haslam to understand that maybe it was time to give up some control here and understand that, yes, you are a multi-billionaire, and that's great in every facet of business that, you know, you've covered in your life. But at the end of the day, you know, you're not a football guy just because you own a football team. So the fact that Freddie works in coordinates there, um, you know, losing Greg, I mean, and you know, I, I, how was he going to stay if he didn't get the gig? You know, the writing was going to be on the wall that he wasn't going to stay. But you look at it, um, you know, one of the positive things of this team in 2017 was the defense. The offense wasn't this year. The offense was fantastic. The defense. There were times where there were issues and. You know, if anything, you maybe needed a new voice over there. And look, was Greg short a couple of players? Yeah, on the interior defensive line, he was short a couple of players. Could use another linebacker who's got good coverage ability and good speed. And, you know, can help Joe go sideline to sideline. Secondary is pretty much set. But you know, you add a few players there. Um, you may not have a guy who has the ilk or the resume of Greg Williams running that defense next year. But it's an easy sell. I mean, you sell guys like Miles. You sell guys like Larry Ogunjobi. You sell the heart and leadership of a mm-hmm. Joe Schobert. You sell that second. So just, yeah, I don't think it's that big of a deal of finding a new defensive coordinator as much as it would have been. It would have been rough to have to put Baker. And look, he came from Oklahoma. Obviously, he was with the Haley and Hugh offense. You know, obviously, you know, what Freddie put in. But then he would have been putting this kid in a fourth offensive system within like 12 to 13 months. And look, not that Baker couldn't handle it. But is that really the best thing for him as basically your best player on this roster right now? No, it's certainly it's certainly not. Not to say, as as I'm sure you would echo, Jeff. Not to say that he couldn't handle it because he's a wonder kid. But um, does it does it serve him best when he found such success with Freddie to an almost MVP level? If he cuts down on some of the turnovers in the in the second half, he he really was even with the few turnovers there. He was he was really playing at an MVP level, and he hell he finished top ten in the NFL because of it and and graded performance. So. Yeah, you you would you would in an ideal world keep him with the offense, keep him with the play caller he's comfortable with, right? And they're doing that, and that's that's a really that's a really smart move in a league that has shifted to, uh, and I think will continue to shift to offensively uh, minded, uh, you know, coordinators becoming coaches, just because the rules favor the offense, and you have to be able to score points, and there just aren't enough uh, good relationships out there. If you look at all the big time quarterbacks throughout the history of the NFL, and that's what you want Mayfield to do is become one of the big-time names in the history of the league, a guy who is held in the high regard of some of the best quarterbacks to play. They've all been tied to one coach, right? So Favre and Holmgren or uh, you know, Manning and Dungy or um, the likes of uh, Rodgers and what was McCarthy, the, the beginning hungry version of McCarthy, in my opinion, or Peyton and, and, and Breeze. Those names have always had one voice, one offensive voice that has been with them, and I think that that's what you wanted with Mayfield was an offensive voice, an offensive leader, and that'll help. 
Yeah, and look, I mean, you look what you got out of it. You know, and Antonio Callaway uh, was able to make great strides for a guy who missed an entire calendar year of football as a 21-year-old. Rashard Higgins, he was a guy who you know was on a practice squad the year before because they weren't sure what he was going to be. Um, you know, put the axe to the grind, went to complete work, found a solid relationship with Baker Mayfield. He's found great success. David Njoku been able to just you know develop even closer and closer. Now, I mean, 22 years old, has almost put up a thousand total yards. I mean, just a pup. I mean, he's he's probably about the same age as some of the wide receivers. I mean, some of the tight ends in this 29. Draft, and he's got two years lapped on him now of experience where he should only grow and grow. Guys, you listen to Locked On Browns here, brought to you today by MyBookie.com. Um, guys, when I always talk about betting, who you bet with is almost as important as who you bet on. That's where MyBookie.com comes in. Um, they've been in uh, business for years. They have great reviews online. Mobile site is clean, simple, easy enough to use. They have in-game, live betting, over-under on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarder play perks in the business. MyBookie.com is currently slammed with new members. A lot of people you know, like to bet the postseason as opposed to the regular season. It's a smaller slate. It's easier to you know, get yourself a more educated bet as you can dig in deeper and deeper throughout the week. Um, so go ahead and use the promo code, capital L, capital O, locked on 25, locked on 25, to register after 7 p.m. Eastern, get a free $25 when you do activate your account. Visit MyBookie online today, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.com, MyBookie online, MyBookie.com, you play, you win, you get paid. Now, um, Jake, this is another one, um, and I know you wrote about this and t- spoke about this, the Carolina game. Um, what you saw there was starting to concrete it for you, but I'm going to get into it too because I kind of think that was a week two. But go ahead and some thoughts on what you saw in the Carolina game. Yeah, so I thought in the Carolina game they did a really good job, or at least Freddie did, of of not just sort of capitalizing on what he was doing, but taking a – it was it was tears for me. He took a league-wide – um, scheme that the Browns have actually used. They used it in week two to score on the goal line against the Saints. Uh, they pitched it out to Hyde, and Hyde beat his man to the corner for a touchdown in the second half. And then the week before, they'd used that scheme to get a first down against Cincinnati. So he did a nice job of using a sort of belly counter scheme that we saw the Rams run earlier in the year, but he ran it from a completely different formation. He was mirroring it much differently with the uh, fly sweep motion stuff and selling that pitch to the back only to hand it back on a counter. And I loved it. Obviously loved it on the three-yard touchdown. The NFL loved it, which we haven't seen the NFL love Brown schemes since probably Shanny in 2014. Um, and then to me it was it was, it was was the, the, the intestinal fortitude to call it again in probably one of the game's biggest moments. It was just on the other side of the 50. It was third and two. The Browns needed to score, obviously, to get out in front, I think, early in the fourth quarter. Uh, it was a really big moment at the time, and he called it again. He called it again from the exact same look, and it worked just as well the second time. Jarvis Landry makes a couple people miss. Um, unfortunately, got tackled around the three-yard line, but, you know, it, 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 it was a 50-yard gain. And to me, it's like you have to obviously be able to come up with the schemes. You obviously have to be able to come up with abilities to fool defenses with, with you know, some, some trickeration or some gimmicky stuff at times. But you also have to know when to call things and the situation and all of the above. And I think that's what he only got better as the year wore on is when to call things. Like if you remember the Atlanta game, his second game, they were running that inverted wishbone and they threw the reverse pass. Dontrell Hilliard, I think, threw an interception. Mm-hmm. I think you and I even had some back and forth. Jeff, we were like, okay, too cute, too much. Yep. I think he started to say, okay, I have these things. These can work. When do I call them? And they got better and better at it as the year wore on, which I really appreciated. And for me, uh, it was basically the cultivation of that week. Um, 
So I remember early in the week in his press conference, you know, they'd asked him about playing a guy, you know, against a guy of the ilk of, you know, Luke Keekley established, you know, one of the best middle linebackers in the game. And, you know, Freddie kind of buttered him up and said, well, look, you know, Baker struggles with anything. Luke Keekley will help him make calls on the line. And then with those two counters, he was basically targeting Luke Keekley in the game and saying, I know you were so good and I know you're going to read this and you haven't seen this on film, so you won't be ready for it. And it worked. I mean, it was just it was it was just impressive the way it handled that week and almost kind of basically set Keekly up. The other thing I took away from that game was, you know, Carolina went right down the field on the first drive, went up seven nothing. And what did Freddie do? You know what? Let's go. We're getting right to work. And what did you get? You got Baker Mayfield tossing the second longest thrown pass in the NFL to get the party going. Bashard yeah. Perriman caught it. And it was just like, you know, and Freddie, it was, I don't want the drives. If I can get Chunk, I'm going to get Chunk. And Freddie found a way to do that. And we have not seen a lot of that. Yeah, that's a good point, Jeff, because I think in that game, Carolina had like a 12 play opening drive for a touchdown. Yep. Sort of methodically took it down and set the tone. I remember even tweeting out that was a tone setting drive. And then you're right, boom, first play, play action counter, the team that they love, and had seven guys blocking four and had double teams everywhere. And it was a crisp pocket to step up and drive that one downfield. And yeah, completely shifted the field that game. So that's a great point, buddy. Yeah, and it was just you know, and and that's where it started. It, you know, we you know, and then week in week out after that, you know, they were getting massive chunk plays. And look, Baker is capable of this. Um, you know, you weren't sure with the wide receivers who was capable of this and who wasn't. And that'll get us maybe over to uh, another point here. Uh, let's go to the wide receiver play. Um, and it's funny, guys, because um, yeah, me and Jake are pretty tight. So if you put something out, if you think I didn't see it, I most certainly did. So those who wanted to at me, some Jarvis, uh, hi- Jarvis Landry highlights from Jake thinking that I maybe didn't see him. Trust me, guys. I saw him. <laughs> um, Jake, you'll go into this. And now, look, Jake, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the work you do is X's and O's. For me, I, you know, I look at it from every standpoint. I look at it from a coach standpoint, a player standpoint, a front, af- a front office standpoint. And I'll give you some of my thoughts on that. But, Jake, I mean, look. You know, at the end of the day, the numbers weren't terrible, and there were times where he was a tough cover and contributed bigly. But go ahead on uh, Jars. Yeah, no, I think it's it's a really nuanced discussion about him because there are some things that you can't track, and there are some things that you can. And I think some of the people that really support Jarvis, and myself included, I support some of the things you can't track. Now, this is subjective my opinion could be different from someone else's and there's really no proven way to figure out whether I'm not too naive as to know he's not overpaid. He is overpaid. Uh, there's no denying that. Jarvis came in in the perfect storm with, with Gase's offense in Miami to rack up receptions and um, that number is something that agents can hold on to and can drive home and um, I think in a, in, a, in, a, in a mixture of time where we're not quite sure the value of players in terms of What's the the deep analytics that Pro Football Focus and such you know next gen stats are providing us? They're getting there. I think it's going to shift how contracts are viewed over the next ten years. But nonetheless, it was a perfect storm for him to get paid. Now, the Browns felt like they need, needed some sort of bolstering at wide receiver, and they only saw so many options out there. They wanted this guy. They made a deal to go get him because of the uh, I think what is a lack of options that were out there. But I think that they kept it in check in terms of what they were they should be expecting. And he had a fairly decent year. I think the drops were something I had a problem with. There were far too many of them for what he's been built up to. But he also makes a ton of catches that I don't see many other guys making. So there's some balance to be had there. 
Um, I do think the Browns are giving him too many targets. My hope would be with him is that he realizes that, hey, I'm, I got paid. I have the ability to continue to get paid. I can't throw temper tantrums. I can't have that as a part of my history. So I don't think he's going to see 150 targets next year. Obviously, the beautiful part of his contract is, yes, he's paid a lot of money compared to, to people in his position and what they're worth all the above, but there's an out after next year. So if they do want to move on, they can move on, and that's great. That That's a good thing for the Browns. It's it's probably a good thing for Jarvis, depending on what direction they go with the incoming wide receivers. Um so I don't, I don't so much have a problem with him being here. I, I think that their offense morphed into a better offense with Baker in the second half of the year when they stopped forcing Jarvis uh, targets. His targets and all of that went down, and they became better because of it. But I still noticed the guy who was pretty happy. He got opportunities still, and uh, he has to take better. He got better as the I mean he's always the best leader. Probably not, Jeff, but I do think he raises the game of everybody. In the second half of the year, and it helps. So the blocking obviously plays a big part of his his resume too. So I'm with it. I think he's overpaid. I think he probably got too many. I could probably remove the word probably. He can remove that and say he got too many targets. He has to do a better job of maximizing his targets next year. It'll be very interesting. Let me say this, Jeff. It'll just be very interesting to see what it looks like next year as the targets are fewer, where he ends up statistically, and then the Browns will have that decision to make because after next year, cap will probably get a little bit tighter and they can make a move. So that's where I'm at with it. Okay, guys, that's Jake Burns' thoughts here on Jarvis Landry. I'll give you guys mine here in a second. But uh, Locked On Cavaliers with Chris Manning, uh, you know, doing a great job covering a difficult team. If anybody could be sympathetic to that, it would be Jake Burns and myself. We know what you're going through, Chris Manning. Keep doing a fantastic job on Locked On Cavaliers. Guys, if you need to, uh, put it in the rotation. Make sure you download it and listen to Chris Manning covering Cavaliers over at Locked On Cavs. Now, for me, Jake, here, look, there's somebody in the front office that sits down, and this is the guy who's in charge of finances, and it's okay. This is who's get paid what. Now, what I first thing that I say is, is we pay Jarvis Landry the seventh highest amount of money at the wide receiver position this year, and this is just, you know, it's strictly the X's and O's, and it's the, the chart of it. We got a guy who finished with 19th in total receptions. We got a guy who finished 21st in receiving yards. We got the guy who finished 62nd in touchdown receptions. The person who's in charge of finances and how the money's spent, that's something that's going to be brought up. Now, there's going to be guys in, obviously, in those meetings like Jake who are going to say, well, here's this, this, and this. And yes, over the last uh, eight games, he uh, had eight receptions or less per game, which I 110% can understand. Um, so as that works on, but I mean, you do look at the finances of it. I mean, look, it is 19 probably the last shot? There's probably a good chance that 19 could be the last shot because Jarvis might be worth somewhere more somewhere else. Um, a wide receiver or two could be brought in here. Um, you look at a guy like Rashard Higgins who could have come closer to Jarvis's Landry's 
production with you know maybe be you know you know he only had 50 something targets where you know Jarvis had closer to 150 if he was closer to 90 receptions he would have been closer to uh, you know what had Jarvis had done um Antonio Callaway he's 22 years old you're only going to look to get him the ball more often uh Bashard Perriman is here um if he sticks around you're going to look to target him closer to 40 50 times next season David Njoku is going to get more and more targets. So it's going to be interesting how Jarvis handles this when the targets are going to be a lot closer to 100 than they were 150. And there's going to be games where he doesn't do much. Also, from a X's and O's standpoint of the guy who's saying, this is what we paid him, you have seven games where there was four receptions or less. So, you know, these are issues. Look, I, I don't think he's not, not going to be here in 19 because I don't know if anybody else is going to take that contract. But, you know, the out for you know tw- for 20 is big, and it's, it, it's a part of it, and it's something you're going to have to look into as you move on closer here in things of that nature. But, you know, this is just something that everybody, you know, there's different ways to debate this one. So, you know, that's that, uh, you know, that's just our, our two cents there on this. Um, Jake. Uh, yeah, I, and I go ahead. I'll, I'll say one more thing. I will agree that I think he, and I, I think we're more on the same page than on a different page with this. And the same with Pete. I, I, I think we, we do see it more the same than different. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, a, I think here's an undervalued part of it. I think it's pretty safe to say Antonio Callaway wasn't quite ready this year to step in day one and have a big role. And I don't think David Njoku was co- quite comfortable yet. And then we dealt with, I think Higgins kind of coming into his role. So this is where I think this year he was important. He got fed a lot of targets because the confidence at the beginning of the year was low with those other guys in terms of Baker's continuity with it because I also think, um, you know, Baker didn't get those reps, right, Jeff? So um, he comes in. Obviously, Tyrod had forced um, Jarvis a bunch of targets because those two had a little bit of a simpatico and uh, all that stuff. But the targets wore down as the year wore on because Baker became more comfortable with distributing the football. And I think that that helped Antonio Callaway have a really good second half of the year in terms of his expectations were low and he started to get better. You saw David Njoku become the threat that we all think he can be the second half of the year, making plays after the catch and making high point grabs. And then you have obviously Richard Higgins who came into his own. So yes, I, I'm with you 100% that 2019 will be different. The target should be down because the guys were able to come along slowly and get the confidence and build themselves into those roles. And that's why I think after 2019, we'll probably all look at it, both the supporters and the non-supporters, and say, okay, now we have Antonio Callaway, now we have Rashard Higgins, now we have Rashad Perriman who's playing with, with uh, the comfort that we wanted him to finally play with, making big plays in the vertical passing game. Now we have David Njoku, who's a 23-, 24-year-old, uh, is, is, is a – and then I felt better, and now we're good. We These guys get it, and we feel comfortable with it. That's why I think that that contract, although overpaid at the beginning, I don't disagree, the out after 2019 was so vital and very forward-thinking. So I will give them credit on that part. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, basically, you know, pay the money out where you didn't have to worry about paying people that you thought maybe were going to be foundational pieces here. And there's going to be a lot of those guys coming, guys. So you're going to have to be ready for that. Um, for So, guys, uh, quick locked on Browns here for you today. Look, uh, Jake Burns and I, obviously, um, for us, this helps us, you know, get us through our offseason. There's going to obviously, you know, be draft prep. There's going to be free agency. There's going to be draft prep. I mean, more draft prep. So a ton here, but we're just going to work hard each day. Uh, Jake, obviously, you know, guys, follow the work over at Browns Film Breakdown. Follow it over the OBR, follow it at cleveland.com, check out the podcast, the Browns Film Breakdown over on Blue Wire. 
um, you know, he does a fantastic job there, uh, and we appreciate each other. Came on this about the same time. We both know that we're putting in a ton of work here. The Locked On Browns Twitter account. Go ahead, and give that a follow back. Uh, we keep that a follow. Uh, we keep it a follow back account as always. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, iTunes rating reviews. That's all great, and please do that. Uh, whether it's Alexa or Surrey, hit the button, tell them or ask them. Hey, play Locked On Browns podcast. Um, iTunes ratings and reviews always appreciated um, anything Locked On NFL network you need through Instagram Twitter check on the Locked On NFL net accounts uh, everything funnels through every football show that we have over on either of those accounts if you're looking for any or more information but as we always say when we put a cap on this guys LGB on the LOB let's go Browns <laughs>